and welcome to another episode of Arte Labore, a Blackburn Rovers podcast from the Lancashire Telegraph. A mixed week for Rovers, three points on the board, a really good comeback at the Den and a disappointing result at home to Swansea City. Myself and Ryan Hildred will, as always, be going through all the key talking points. Ryan, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, thank you, Elliot. It's Halloween. It's exciting, isn't it? The the boys have been carving their pumpkins and getting all excited about that. Is, so, by the boys, do you mean you've been carving your pumpkin? I have been absolutely nowhere near it because my artistic skills are nothing to be desired. So I have stayed well away from that because they would literally look worse than a child has done a pumpkin if I did them. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it's all good. We've uh, decked the house out a little bit and We'll welcome some trick and treaters tonight, won't we? So uh, yeah, we're good. We're good in the house. I'm definitely hoping. Well, I'm thinking of putting a sign up once the baby's gone to bed because the dog is prone to barking <laughs> at the front door being knocked, and we're not miserable by any means. We've got plenty of sweets, and we want kids to come. But I am tempted to put a sign up because if Maya keeps getting woken up, that will be a bit of an issue. So got to weigh that one up. Obviously, we're coming to you a day later than usual. Um, I, <clears throat> I was off yesterday because. Of the uh, week we've got ahead with press conferences, trip to Stamford Bridge, of course, that lovely 12 o'clock trip to Norwich, which I cannot wait to get up at about six in the morning to set off to get to Carrow Road. So thank you again to Sky Sports for moving that to Sunday at 12 o'clock. Big fan of that. But let's reflect on the week we've just had, Ryan, and it got off to a great start with Rovers winning 2-1 at Millwall and notably winning from behind as well. Going behind after just two and a half minutes, for Vera, a Wes Harding header. Not great defending from Rovers in the first place from the free kick. And then pretty poor from Leopold Walstead, who should save it. Quite, you know, it's quite honest. We interviewed him actually on um, Thursday before the match against um, Swansea. And he was pretty honest and just said, yeah, should have saved it. Should have done a bit better. But mistakes happen in goal. And it is a fair point that ultimately, if you're a centre-back or you're a, you're a goalkeeper, those mistakes are amplified. Of course they are. And if you are... You know, you're a striker and you don't put the ball in the back of the net and miss a great chance. It doesn't cost a goal, but it kind of is, could be the same effect ultimately if the other team then goes down the other end and gets an equaliser, etc. But yeah, it was a poor start at the Den. It got the Millwall crowd up as, as well. I thought it was a little bit of a subdued atmosphere for Millwall standards at the start. So when that's the case, the last thing you want to do is concede after two and a half minutes. But they got themselves through it. You know, they were, they were a little bit nervy for 15 minutes, but then... They started to settle down, started to control possession. Tronstad started to get on the ball a little bit more. And they started to move their way up the pitch. And the equaliser came about midway through the first half. Really good passing move down the right. Good run from James Hill initially to start it off, beating a couple of men. Into um, Callum Britton, who let it run to JRC. Quick one-two, pulls it back. And um, it's a decent shot from just inside the area. But once again, it's another goalkeeping error and. um I think it's fair to say that Bartosz Bielkowski should have done far better with that one as well. So, yeah, an interesting start for Rovers and, and you have to give them credit for the way they came through after, after a difficult opening portion to the game. Yeah, it was a really pleasing victory. Uh, I spoke on last week's pod, didn't I, that I fancied us to go down to Millwall and get the win. And it was for the reasons that you said around that subdued atmosphere that I just thought it was a really strange sacking and, and there was an opportunity to get Millwall at the den uh, in circumstances that don't usually present themselves. But... What I didn't see in the script was going behind so early and coming from behind away from home and winning because that's not usually the way that Rovers do it these days, is it? So that's what the pleasing part about the win is because, yeah, what a disastrous start to the game it was. Just 
two errors in my view. Uh, in fact, three errors. Um, first error, I think it was quite a soft free kick to be given uh, in the first place. Um, so I think that's a question mark. But that said, we've got an opportunity to defend it twice, actually. The first header and then the second contact. I thought it was really, really loose. And then, yeah, Leo Walshtet has got to do better, plain and simple. And let's give Ainsley Pears his due here. If that is Ainsley Pears that makes that error, there is far more acrimony and comment within the fan base about that mistake. And Ainsley Pears is getting pelters for that. So Walshtet has to hold his hands up for that. It's a really poor error, certainly at championship level. I don't care how new you are to the championship. You know, that's basics from the goalkeeper there. So really disappointing for us to concede that goal so early. And Rovers fans have become accustomed to these midweek games where we go one goal down and it never just looking like we're going to be likely at coming back or anything like that. So well, they did lost nine of the last 11 um, mm. midweek games away from home, only winning at Blackpool in that sort of stretch of runs as well. So, mm. And then they drew at West Brom where they did come from behind. So the, the, the precedent was there, wasn't it? That's right. So really, really kind of negative feelings, even five minutes into that game. But fair play to Rovers. You know, maybe the early goal was actually a bit of a, a help for us because, yeah, three minutes in the game, you've still got 87 plus minutes to, to rectify the situation. So as you say, we started to put our foothold on the game and, and get our informed players affecting that game more. Tronstad, James Hill, Joe Rankin, Costello and the goal when it came, I thought was really well worked. As much as the keeper should have saved the goal, I thought it was really, really beautifully worked down that right-hand side. And, and obviously, JRC with the finish for for two and two. So to peg them back, you know, so soon, again, was also important. As much as, yes, three minutes into the game, we can sort the situation out. Getting back to 1-1, you know, midway through that first half as well was good for us and, and gave us a bit of a stamp hold. Yeah, absolutely. And once they got themselves back level, I thought they were the better team for the remainder of the first half. They were the ones controlling possession, probing, without creating too many clear-cut opportunities. It wasn't quite clicking in the final third, but it was all coming down Rovers right with James Hill, Britain, JRC combining really well. Um, left side, left so. Smodix was really quiet. Sigurdsson pretty anonymous, and he was uh, taken off at half-time, just as he was at the weekend as well. I think we'll, we'll touch on him later in the podcast. But yeah, they were really good down that right side, so it was very... Little surprise that that's where the what turned out to be the winning goal came from. Unbelievable pass from James Hill. The the power in his fire to get that ball slung across the pitch to to Britain, who's making a great run. And for a person that had not scored a goal in four years, that's a pretty composed check inside and curl into the top corner. Lots of jokes being made post match by Jon and by uh, some of his teammates saying that he's barely scored a goal in training. Never mind, scored a goal in uh, of that manner. But really good finish and. That combination down the right-hand side of JLC, Britain and Hill has been fantastic. It wasn't didn't quite click to the same level at the weekend, but generally speaking, um, it's it's been a great source of, of um, danger for Rovers. They've, they've had more defensive balance and showing the other side as well with uh, both those players, JLC and Britain, scoring the goals. Definitely. And I thought we started the second half really well, actually. I think um, again, JDT spotted that, you know, there were a couple of players in that first half that weren't quite contributing. So we made the double change, didn't we? Changed it up a little bit. And I thought we started the second half really well. And, and I think the goal was well-deserved when it came. You're absolutely right. The ping from James Hill is just absolutely sensational. And Callum Britton still got a lot to do in that situation. Mm. As much as he backs himself to, to get forward and, and attack defences, there's still a hell of a lot to do there. And I think I saw his interview, it might have been with yourself or, or with the Rovers website, 
where we was talking about them practicing that in training where he's going forward down that right and what they've been practicing is pulling it back for Sammy Smodic or someone arriving into the box and he said no this time I'm going to have a shot and we've spoken before about um, Arna Sigurdsson early on in the season just people having that clinical edge that something outside of the box just you know taking a risk taking a chance that's what Callum Britton did there he took the chance he took the risk got it onto his left and the finish is absolutely sensational. And and by doing that, he's won the game for Rovers. You know, he's thought he's going to have a go. He's backed himself. He's been confident in his own ability. And the execution was just absolutely brilliant. So I'm delighted for Britain because he's been in and out of the side, you know, over the last year or so with the injury that he's had. But he's got himself to absolute peak, you know, form for us now. And to cap off his recent form with that goal, with a winner away from home to seal a comeback victory, I don't think it could have happened to a nicer guy, really. He just seems a really, really nice lad and and someone who's really liked by the Rovers squad as well. So great to see him get the goal for us and and his first one for Rovers, as you say. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He's been really unfortunate with the injuries. And then when he came back from injury, happens to find, you know, the reincarnation of Cafu playing it right back in Joe Rankin Costello, which is just a bad luck, to be honest. And um, Britain's always played well when he's played for Rovers. I can understand why he didn't play that much towards the end of last season because Joe was Joe Rankin-Costello was playing so well. But there's got to be a way of getting them both in the team, and seemingly whether that's Britain at right back or slightly further forward with James Hill, or but Joe Rankin-Costello clearly can play in midfield, and that's a role that Thomson sees as viable for him moving forward. Yeah, it was a great strike, and I think. One of the criticisms we've had about Rovers in the final third in the last year, it's been a lack of conviction. As you say, not having the confidence in their own ability to just take the shot, to get an effort on goal, and sometimes trying to walk the ball into the back of the net at times. So, as you say, to, to show that conviction of, of mind to say, nah, do you know what? I'm going to have a go myself here. Lovely chopping. It's a brilliant finish. Um, they obviously had chances to make it a lot more comfortable and wrap the game up. Uh, Andrew Moran on as a substitute, forced a good save from Bielkowski, and then Smodix um, on a breakaway, Dolan fed him the ball, brilliant save from Bielkowski, if he, well he did cock up for the equaliser, he certainly made amends for it with that save, brilliant tip onto the crossbar, and as you, as you expect, if you go to Millwall and you're leading, you're going to have to defend your box well, and Rovers were put under real pressure, I thought Scott Wharton did really well coming on for Dom Haim at half-time, obviously Haim's out injured for the foreseeable, which is a big blow, but Thought Wharton did really well, defended his 18-yard box, won plenty of headers. I thought Carter stepped up as well. And I thought Wallstead did well, you know, considering you're at the den and considering you've cocked up in the first three minutes, I thought he bounced back really well. And that that's the thing. You can, you've easily seen goalkeepers make one error, then go and make two errors and three errors and just have a disaster, you know, with pairs at Ipswich, for example. Obviously, there was, there was multiple mistakes in that. So I, I do think... How you bounce back as a goalkeeper can be as equally important. And whilst they show really good character and strength of mind to not have a lot to do for the rest of the game, and came and I'd like him to catch a few more balls, but I think that's more of a European style thing as much as it is um, a decision from him in terms of whether he wants to catch up on. I think it's more of a stylistic thing as well at times. Yes, I would like probably him to catch a few more balls, but he came, he punched, he got good distance on them. And that's all that matters really. Um, so yeah, I thought Rovers did really well to see out that win. There wasn't that many scares, that many saves for Wallstead to make, but you've got to defend your 18-yard box well if you're going to go to Millwall and get a result. Yeah, we could have been out of sight and obviously the championship is a cruel mistress, isn't it? So if you're not going two goals ahead in a championship game of football, you're always going to be vulnerable and you know liable to 
to conceding or, or losing the lead that you've got. So you're right, we stood up really well. Um, definitely big shout out to, to Scott Wharton because that's not easy circumstances to come on. I think it's well documented that his confidence is, is not great at the moment. He's not had his time in the squad. So to come into the team at halftime for someone like Dom Hyam and defend as well as he did, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I think he did really well. And, you know, it's a, it's a type of game that suited him. I think we'll come on to the Swansea game shortly and, and the type of performance that he had on Saturday. But Tuesday's game suited him where he's winning things aerially. He's having to stand up and be firm and, and dig in. So I thought that was a great performance from Wharton. And, and yeah, Walshtet, we got a real snapshot into the type of goalkeeper that he is, I think, finally now. I think we've seen over the course of games, we've seen saves, we've seen punches. I think we got a real good snapshot of the type of goalkeeper we've got with that punching, as you say. It's going to be something that I'm going to have to get used to, if I'm being honest. I, I'm like you. I, I prefer my, key, my keepers to come and catch and command and, and do those things. But like how I've got to... I've had to get used to Rovers playing out from the back and still making me nervous when they do it. They're actually pretty good at doing that now. Very good at doing it. We're probably right. going to have to do the same with Walshtet, that if he's coming out and punching, you know, we'll just have to accept that that is what he's going to do. How we then defend that second ball, the distance that he gets on his punches, that's going to be the thing for JDT to work on. So you're right, really good from Walshtet to, to play his part as well in... Um, in that victory for Rovers and, and for him to, you know, overcome the mistake that he did. So going into the weekend, that's three wins in a row for Rovers. They've not won four in a row in the Championship since March when they beat Sheffield United 1-0. Um, and they started really well. I thought, do you know what? After five minutes, I thought, they look good here. They look in the mood. I thought Smodics looked really good in the opening stages. Some lovely little flicks and tricks and slick passing on a very greasy surface after a big downpour before kickoff. And they should have been in front after it. I clocked it at 47 seconds when I looked at the thing um, as Callum Britton skewed wide. It's a lovely move. Great ball over the top from Smodix for Dolan to scamper onto. Pulls it back. And I suppose this is the downside of playing a fullback more advanced because maybe a more natural finisher puts that in the back of the net. Just opens his body up too much and it goes wide of the post. It's a big chance. I know there's still 95 minutes or whatever for Rovers to you know, win the game. But it's a huge opportunity and a huge moment in the match where the ball's just got to go in, really. Um, and I thought they were really good first 20 minutes. You know, they had other good chances. The corner kick routine was brilliant, in which Smodix's shot was then cleared off the line. And Swansea couldn't cope with Rovers in those opening 20 minutes. But as against Sunderland and as against countless other teams we've seen, if you don't put the ball in the back of the net, championship teams, they'll come back at you. They will have a spell and they will, you know, make you pay for missing those opportunities and Swansea did with the first real proper attack they had sort of a succession of corners which Rovers defended pretty well but then an, another break and it's played out to Cullen on the right side of the box chops inside similar to Britain really and a really good finish low into the far corner someone Rovers were interested in in the summer um, coming back to score at Ewood which is you know that's just in the script isn't it but yeah it was a really good finish and I thought Rose really struggled for the rest of the first half they, they, they couldn't get back into the game at all the distances between the defence midfield and attack weren't right so when they tried to press once they could just pop the ball around them and um, Matt Grimes and Charlie Patino had a bit of a field day for that next 20 minutes and it's just a bit of a weird half and it just again underlines the problems if you don't put the ball in the back of the net when you're on top yeah, it's a really disappointing game, this one, particularly with the feel-good factor after the, the previous three. But <clears throat> like what I said last week, Rovers just don't win three games in a week, Elliot. I said that, and I've got to say, I was quite surprised that we didn't see a couple of changes just to freshen it up. I think 
the work rate and, and the energy that JDT expects from this squad with the press and, and other things. I thought it was asking a lot for, for some of these players to do the three games in a week. So I think we possibly could have had a couple of changes just to freshen things up because I think that's ultimately where we got found out after that first 20-minute spell. I thought the energy levels really dropped and, and we allowed Swansea to impose himself. I'm like you. I was really delighted with the start and it was like, oh, great, this is going to be a nice performance. And Callum Britton should score, plain and simple. It's it's a fairly easy chance. doesn't matter if it's 47 seconds into the game. It doesn't matter if you only got your first goal for Rovers the week before. It's a fairly basic chance to, to put away there. So that's disappointing that he's missed that chance. I think the other disappointing thing for me is we didn't heed the warnings that we'd got from Swansea. So they had a couple of disallowed goals. Um, it was Lowe, wasn't it, who was getting in yeah. behind the defence. You know, a couple of really tight offside decisions, which I think were the right ones. I was they, in were, the they were both off. I yeah, they were. I was in the Jack Walker on Saturday and I was fairly in line with them. So, you know, I think they both were off. But they were the warning shots and we just didn't seem to snap into life. We still seemed to be playing sloppy and lethargic and not imposing ourselves. And it just felt at that moment, it probably was a matter of time before Swansea did punish us and... It was a cracking finish from Cullen, to be fair. He's done really well to wrap his foot around that and, and put it in the corner. And and I would say ending that first half, it was no more than Swansea deserved, really. I thought it was really flat, really sloppy, really disappointing from Rovers, particularly with the previous three games and the three wins. But actually, some of the standards that we've set in some of the other games, even when we've not won, I think that was as sloppy as I've seen Rovers this season, actually. Um, it was a really disappointing performance overall. I would say that certainly the... Sort of the 40 minutes that followed after the Swansea goal, I would say was definitely poorer than any of the performances in the four games that they'd lost in that losing run. I would agree with you there. Yeah, so, look, sometimes you've got to take your hat, your hat off and say that's a great bit of skill, great finish. Blackburn didn't lose the game because Liam Cullen scored because that can happen. You You can't always keep a clean sheet. The opposition has quality as well. They lost the game by the fact that they didn't take their chances. And they didn't impose themselves back in the game. It took them too long to react to Swansea going in front. I thought they were quite poor as well at the start of the second half. Um, of course, he made a double change again with both wingers coming off, uh, Britton and Sigurdsson. That, that was tactical. And with Arna Sigurdsson, it's been quite weird because I think since the international break, he's been really poor. He's been quiet. He's been really quiet. He wasn't great in the um, in the win over Cardiff. He was really well. He was quite poor at Millwall. And it was just anonymous against Swansea. And I thought he struggled with the physicality of Millwall a little bit. Um, he doesn't offer a great deal defensively either. So if he's not contributing at the top end of the pitch, um, it, it can be difficult to know why he's in the team at times because he's obviously a brilliant player and he's clearly adapting to English football, so it's not an overreaction. But he doesn't offer loads defensively. I've noticed that a little bit in the last week. I thought he struggled physically a bit at Millwall. And yeah, I was surprised he started against Swansea. I have to say, I thought after two really quiet performances, I thought Maureen would probably come in on that left-hand side. But I don't know what it is. But I would say that left side in general, you know, Smodix, who obviously operates in that sort of left number eight channel, he's not quite been as, as lively or as involved in the game. And he, did, he was better against um, Swansea than, than um, Millwall. But yeah, not quite clicking down that left side in the same way it has the right. No, and I don't know, only Sam Smodic will know the answer to this, but I don't know if the armband weighed heavy on, on Smodic on Saturday. It just wasn't the same type of uh, performance from Smodic. And I noticed just little things that when you've got the armband on Saturday, you can't do the things like 
getting angry that a pass has not gone your way or you've wanted a pullback and it's not come to you. I think you've just got to do things differently as a skipper. So whether that did affect his performance, whether JDT had given him some instructions to do some different things as skipper, who knows? But yeah, I think you're right. It, it was a strange performance from, well, not strange. It was just a a less effervescent performance from Sammy Smodich than, than we're used to seeing on Saturday. And you're absolutely right about Sigurdsson as well. You know, this is championship football. It's three games in a week. And Sigurdsson, let's remember, didn't really have a pre-season, has come back from that injury as well. So I'm surprised that he started. And I can see why he has started on football ability alone. But yeah, just freshening it up and, and taking him out of the firing line and, and having him as an impact sub may have been a bit better for us. But, you know, it was just over. It wasn't just Sigurdsson. It wasn't just Smodich. I felt it was just a flat performance all round. Actually, all eleven players. I think there were a few misplaced passes, some sloppy things in central midfield, and certainly in the the attacking third of the pitch as well. Just the things that we've criticised Rovers for previously this season with not making things happen in that final third came to the fore again a little bit, particularly in that first half on Saturday after that first twenty minute spell that we've spoken about. It did get better when we made the subs and and obviously we got Harry Leonard as a central presence and we'll probably talk about that in a moment. But my overwhelming feeling just coming out of Ewood after the game was, God, that was a sloppy, sloppy performance. Just a frustrating one. Yeah, I agree. And obviously with Sigurdsson and Smodics, they've been two Rovers' best players this season, even though Sig- uh, Sigurdsson's been injured for the most of it. So it's obviously very high standards we're holding them to. Um, Swansea, Probably had the best, well, they had the first big chance of the second half, of course, with um, Jamie Patterson, error from Scott Wharton. What I will say is, given he just had a massive knock on the head, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to roll him the ball inside his own uh, 18-yard box, but he just has a bit of a brain fart, doesn't he? He just can't quite sort his feet out, gets robbed, and that should be 2-0, really, if we're being honest. That that should have cost a goal. Big save from Walstead. But yeah, I think the, the word would be sloppy. That's what I would say to some of the performance. But having said that, they created enough chances to get something from the game. And that's a positive thing in some aspects in the fact that if you're not playing at your best to still create chances and still do enough to feel that you should have got something from the match is is obviously positive. If you weren't creating any chances, that's when the real concern comes in. But once again, Groundhog Day with Blackburn Rovers not taking their chances. Um, Harry Leonard having the best of them, two of them in the second half. Lovely ball over the top from Adam Wharton who come on. Paul Walton looked a little bit rusty in some aspects, but he's got that moment of magic, hasn't he? There's no one else that can play that pass for Leonard over the top in that way. Takes a touch. I think if it's Harry Leonard that's played the last few games, you know, and played so well at Ipswich and Sunderland before that, he probably scores. But um, having obviously been out for four weeks, he drags it wide. It was very similar, I thought, to the one he had against West Brom on the opening day where same same end um, and he drags it just wide of that near post. Struck it well enough. It's not an easy chance, but it's a big opportunity. And you think that's that's the game gone, really, when when that nothing else really falls. And then in the last couple of minutes, brilliant run from James Hill, crossing to the box, right on his forehead, six yards out. I think the defender coming in behind him just does enough looking at the replay to put him off a little bit. But either side, it gets good contact, and either side, the goalkeeper, and that's one all. So that's disappointing again, two big opportunities. And you think if he's just fit and firing and, and a little bit, you know, he's in the swing of things, having been, not been out for four weeks. He probably takes one of those chances and gets you a point despite not being brilliant. 
Yeah, that's right. And at 20 years old, you know, he's going to learn from this, isn't he? He'll reflect on those chances and just work on it on the training ground and think, ah, if that chance comes again, I'll do it this way or or whatever. So um, I actually think Leonard came on and made a real good impact. Um, It was as good a centre-forward performance from Leonard than than I've seen, you know, in his whole time at Rovers. I think he came on, he looked strong, he looked physical, he was running the channel a bit and looked every bit the centre-forward that Rovers need at the moment. So it wasn't surprising that he made that impact because we were crying out for that type of of central presence. And as you say, when you've got Adam Wharton in the centre of the park who can find him, he's got the the movement, he's got the nous as a striker to get into those spaces and make those runs. So I'm actually, as much as it, yes, he could have got the equaliser for us and it's disappointing that he didn't, I'm actually seeing the positives in the chances in the way that they came because they are the two type of strikers' chances that when we're playing this false nine situation, uh, this false nine formation, they're the types of chances that we don't see from Rovers very much. So I like the fact not that we're slinging the ball in for Dolan to win against two centre halves. Totally, totally. So it was great that we came on and mixed it up a little bit like that. And, and Leonard has been in those positions to miss those chances, uh, so to speak. So disappointing for Leonard, but great that he got himself in those opportunities. And it, it would have been nice for Leonard actually, as you know, as a young lad, Rovers lad, coming on to to get the equaliser like that in a performance where Rovers haven't played that well I think it just would have been first and foremost just really nice for him to get the equaliser like that but not to be um not to be and just sloppy in front of goal with those chances sloppy at the back like you say with the Scott Wharton stuff sloppy just overall you know it's just a whole host of things have ultimately contributed to the Rovers loss on Saturday but we made the chances as you say and we can't be too downbeat about that yeah as you say I think you tweeted after the full-time whistle about it being, a, you know, very much a performance on the back end of three games in seven days, and I think that's an accurate summation of the match. I thought it was interesting that Leno was the first striker off the bench. There was obviously three with Ennis and Talalovic also on the substitutes bench, and considering Leno's been out for a month, not really played a lot of football, although he's played two twenty ones games. So it was interesting that he came on before Ennis, um, in particular, and then neither Ennis or Talalovic came on at all with one sub still left to make for Rovers. So, you know, those are the two summer signings that were brought in to try and help fix the goal-scoring issues. Is that a little bit of a message? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I thought it was certainly interesting to not use either of them at all. You know, with Talalovic's minutes are going down, not up. He's been an unused sub in all three games in the last week. He's obviously played for the 21s on Monday night, as we record Tuesday morning, um, in a 7-2 loss at Reading, which is not something you see every day. So it's interesting where they're at. I thought I'm not I'm not surprised by the Talelovic thing because he's clearly not quite where Rovers or Thomason wants him to be right now, and that's fine. You know, he's come from the fourth division of Germany where he's last regularly played. You've got to give him time to adjust and adapt. It's not the first Rovers signing to come in and not get frustrated into the team. So be it. But Ennis has looked decent every time he's played, in my opinion. And I know he's got not a great injury record since he's come to the club and they're building him up. But to not even bring him off the bench at all when you're chasing a goal, I thought was a little bit odd. Um, And the fact that Leonard got a full half an hour having just come back into the squad. I don't know. It's felt a bit like sending a message. You said uh, sending a message there. I don't think it's a message in terms of anything around transfers or anything like that, but I think it's a message from JDT to Ennis and to Talalovic themselves, actually. I have no knowledge of what goes on on the training pitch, so this could be very wide of the mark. But if JDT is not spotting that they're hitting the same levels as Harry Leonard or his peers and 
and things around him on the training pitch. That's a message from JDT to those two to say, if you want to be in this side, if you want to be getting ahead of the likes of Ty Dolan and, and Harry Leonard, you've got to work damn hard for this side and show me on the training pitch what, what you're about. And I was looking at Edis and Talalovic on the sideline on uh, Saturday. They were like two puppies just waiting for their owner to put them out of their misery. They were absolutely desperate to come on. They would, uh, they wanted to come on, definitely. They were just constantly looking down that sideline. But yeah, a little message to them both there, maybe from JDT. I was surprised in particular with Ennis because as much as I don't think he's 100% fit, I think he has, like I've just been saying about Ennis. you not kind of at the point though that like, how are you going to get him fit if you don't play him? Exactly. It's like a catch-22. And as much as he isn't fit, like what we saw with Leonard and coming on and making a centre-forwards impact, Ennis has done the same, hasn't he? Rotherham away was a game where, you know, that's you very... me he couldn't have done 15 minutes playing off Leonard and, you know, totally. trying to pick up some scraps in the in the, in the the six-yard box or whatever. Like, totally like He's been back for a while. He's been back for, you know, a couple of weeks now and the international break. So you're not telling me he couldn't have done 15, 20 minutes when you're chasing a goal to play, play off Leonard. Uh, yeah. Let him do the hard, harder yards, if you like, and, and feed off in the six in the six eighteen yard box. I agree with you, and I think it's one of them that, as Rovers fans, you'd rather us lose the game two 0 trying and throwing some strikers on than you know losing one nil and thinking what if. So I was surprised that we didn't see them, but I am just still keeping that in my mind that we don't know what Tilalovic's general fitness levels are from the standard of football that he's been playing. Clearly, he's being built up. Ennis, from some of the stuff that we've heard, the state that he came to Rovers from Plymouth, is he playing catch-up as well in terms of his fitness levels? So I just don't know if there's a little message there from JDT to both of them. And, well, you know, we've not scored in a game. They've got a very easy comeback to JDT now to say, well, you haven't scored. Why aren't you playing us? So this will be an interesting one to see how it develops. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the team is in midweek. Of course, they go to Chelsea on Wednesday night, Stamford Bridge, which... I'm looking forward from a press food point of view, if nothing else, because I've heard the buffet is exquisite. So I'm excited to do that. I've been to Stamford Bridge before, but only in the away end. I've not been in media. So I'm looking forward to that. You're going to be in the away end, aren't you, Chelsea? Uh, sadly, work has put pay to me on that one, Elliot. Oh, I, so, thought you no, I thought I was going to go also, but uh, it's just not possible with getting out of work and getting down there and, and everything like that. So that's a real shame. And certainly my lad wanted to go as well. But I had done Chelsea before. Um, but yeah, just not possible for me, I'm afraid. Got to pay the bills, haven't we? So workers uh, put pay to that. Oh dear. Well, you'll have to be following my live blog to, to make sure you don't... I will it. do that. I'll absolutely do that. But yeah, it should be a good game for Rovers. It's a good opportunity to test themselves. I'll be intrigued what the team selection is because there's no way he goes with a team as young as he has done against Harrogate and Crewe and Cardiff because... You know, it benefits no one for them to go and get slapped 5-0 at Stamford Bridge. Now, I expect there'll be changes, although they've not got that much to work with in terms of particularly in defence. Hayden Carter will probably play because he's now suspended um, and can't play against Norwich after picking up his fifth yellow card of the season against Swansea. So he'll probably play at the back with maybe Scott Walton again, give James Hill a break because James Hill's probably going to have to play at centre-back at the weekend with Scott. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does in mid- in midfield. We could see Trav might be back potentially. We've got a press conference later this afternoon. Travis could be involved. Um, Adam Wharton will probably play, I'd imagine. And then in attack, maybe an opportunity for Ennis to start. You know, Telelovic has obviously played for the 21s on Monday. So I'd be pretty surprised if he started, if he was in contention to start. Now at Stamford Bridge saying he's played, I think he got 90 minutes um, against 
Reading, so he's not going to play 90 minutes and then start at Stamford Bridge two days later. So Ennis, maybe Leonard starts from the from the off because um, he's obviously still working his way back as well. Um, is, some, is he going to play someone like Smodix? Maybe he'll be on the bench. So I'm intrigued to see what sort of how far he goes with the changes on, on Wednesday night. But it's a good opportunity for Rovers to test themselves against obviously a very talented team. They're going to make changes, but it's still going to be an 11 fuller internationals or incredibly highly rated young players. But great opportunity for the fans to, to have a big day out at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, for sure. And I think in terms of the team, um, I think you can make a case for most of the recent subs that we've seen. So uh, I think it's absolutely a game. I'd be playing Scott Wharton just to keep his match sharpness and, and fitness going. Uh, you look through some of these other subs recently, Mark Ande, <clears throat> I don't think he was great when he came on on Saturday. So I think he needs freshening up a little bit. Um, you know, a game for him to build his confidence away at Chelsea. I think you can make a case for him. Adam Wharton, yes. Moran, yes. Jake Garrett, natural cover for uh, Sondra Tronstad, so I can make a case for him. Whether it's too much for uh, for Talalovic, I agree with you. I think maybe Harry Leonard is the one that you bring in for this game. And, and great for Harry Leonard as well to go and lead the line at Stamford Bridge. That would just be a great confidence boost for him. So, I think you can make a case for a lot of those changes. I would be protecting James Hill at all costs. I'd be protecting Britain and JRC as well because depending on what happens and how we have to... Someone's got to play it right back though. (laughs) I know. I I know they do. Someone has to. So, yeah, one of them will play and then I'd just protect the other two because of the Mm. shuffling that we might need to do away at Norwich. But we don't need to go too weak. And I'm sure the likes of Sam Smodic, um, Harry Pickering... Walsh there, all of these are going to be saying, I want to be playing at Stamford Bridge. So it's a a tough one for JDT. Um, The fact the game's on Sunday is a little bonus. It's the extra day's recovery. So maybe it will lean him towards, you know, more of a full strength side than a a second string. But certainly the benches that I've seen recently, there's a case for, for a lot of those players. And I just think the Cup, in a game where you're not expecting to win, I think you can just use these games to just get some minutes under people's belts and confidence in their veins and, and all of those things. And I'm looking at the likes of Wharton, Scott Wharton, that is, Mark Ande, Adam Wharton, actually, in terms of not playing recently, Moran, who I'd love to just see a little bit more of. Like, these are players I want to see at Stamford Bridge, I think. I think a lot of those will play. I think you're absolutely right. They then go to Norwich, of course, on Sunday. And as I say, not particularly looking forward to that trip, but it should be a good game. Rose have got a good record at Carrow Road. Recently, won both games there last year in the league and then in the FA Cup. Uh, they're not in good form at all, so it would be very typical Rovers to go and, and lose. David Wagner's under a bit of pressure. They've lost. Uh, they've only won one of the last nine. He's only won six of 24 in total, having taken over. And after such a bright start to the season, um, they've had a real drop-off. And I think they've, they've dropped right down the table now into the bottom half. Yeah, Norwich's form at the moment... Not great, and it's another opportunity for Rose to get some points on the board. Yeah, this one for me is a combination in my mind of um, like the Millwall game, like like what I was talking about last week uh, in terms of just taking an opportunity when it presents itself. But actually, it's very similar to the Watford game earlier this season where you're coming up against a side where usually you don't do very well at in terms of a ground. You know, we have struggled at Vicarage Road over the years, and we've also struggled at Carrow Road, but... Similar to when we played Watford earlier this season, they didn't start the season too well. The fans weren't too confident, weren't kind of impressed with Ishmael and, and all of that stuff. And I think we're coming up against Norwich, same kickoff time, stodgy Sunday 12pm game like the Watford game, where 
you can just take advantage of a flat crowd and, and all of that type of stuff. So I think this is, again, one like Millwall, where I want Rovers to really go and take that opportunity and spot that opportunity and be confident going down to Carrow Road. So it's absolutely one where, again, like Millwall, I'm targeting a win in, in my mind. I, I think we absolutely should be going down there and get the early goal, get the crowd on their back and all of those types of things. That's the stuff that we should be doing. But you are absolutely right to bring into play. This is Blackburn Rovers. We know how these things go. So superstitious, Ryan, as everyone has come to know now, is absolutely triggering on that point that you've raised there. The away, the away form's been all right this season. It's been better than the home form. So mm-hmm. there's no reason not to go there with a little bit of confidence and try and get a positive result. They're obviously going to have to shuffle around the defence, as we spoke about with no Hayden Carter. I think probably be Britain at right back, um, Hill, Wharton, Pickering, and then you bring um, probably one of the wingers in, whether that's Malconde, whether that's Moran, potentially on the right, whatever, maybe moving Dolan out to the right-hand side and bringing a striker in. So they've got options. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, and yeah, They've definitely got to be on it in midfield because two, two of Norwich's best players and two of the players that have still been playing well despite their poor run is John Rowe, someone who's come through their academy this season having a real breakthrough season. And Gabriel Saru plays in central midfield, who's their equivalent of Adam Wharton and um, is a very, very good player. So they're going to have to be lively to keep them quiet. But as I say, the form's not been great recently. They've certainly given away goals. Um, Shane Duffy and, and Ben Gibson hasn't been the most solid centre-back partnership in the Championship this season. So can certainly see Rovers getting a little bit of joy as Norwich try and play out from the back if they press them high. So, yeah, we'll see how that one goes as well. Um, Ryan, right, prediction time. First, Stamford Bridge. What do you think? Uh, I can't see anything other than a Chelsea win. I think the season that Chelsea are having, um, like what we've said about Rovers over the years, you can use the cup competitions to just get some confidence flowing in the squad and, and in the team and, this is a Premier League side that's just rammed full of internationals. So I can't see anything other than a Chelsea win. Um, I think it'll be fairly comfortable for them. Um, I think the players that they're going to bring in, I, I think will hurt Rovers and, and cause us some problems. And I do just worry about that defence without Dom Hyam. I didn't say it earlier about the Swansea game, but I actually felt we missed Dom Hyam's leadership a lot in that game when it started to just turn. The, t- the tide was turning and we just needed to calm down and spot that Swansea were hurting us. I do think that Hyam on that pitch on Saturday would have made a difference. So I worry about that leadership at Chelsea on Saturday, uh, on uh, Wednesday, sorry, tomorrow. So I just can't see anything other than 3-0 Chelsea. I think it'll be fairly routine and, and fairly comfortable for them. I'd love to dream. I'd love the fairy tale. I'd love a 9-10 penalty shootout win like last season. But I thought you were just going to say 9-10 in normal time. <laughs> I'd, my, I'd match just... report, my match report would be the longest it's ever been. <laughs> but I, I just can't see anything other. I think this is definitely a game that Pochettino is going to be thinking, right, let's just get this job done and no messing and let's just keep the fans on board because he's under a little bit of pressure. So I just can't see anything other than that Chelsea win 3-0. Yeah, it depends how strong the two teams are. I'll go 3-1. I'm going to predict Rovers score a goal, but yeah, impossible. And no one's deluded enough to go in before kickoff and expect Rovers to go and win the game. They might well surprise us as they did at Leicester and West Ham. So that's what we've... Got our fingers crossed for. And then Caro Road, what are you thinking? I am going to say I'm flirting between 1-0 Rovers or 2-1 Rovers. I'm going to say 2-1 Rovers again because I'm just thinking about the defence without Dom Hyam. I do think we're going to concede a few over this time that he's not there. 
hopefully Scott Wharton will prove me wrong and come flying back and, and plug that gap that Dom Hyam has left. But I just think without Carter as well on Sunday, I think, you know, it's going to be a new partnership. Wharton and James Hill likely as the centre-backs, I think. You know, that's going to be vulnerable as as well as James Hill has been playing in particular. So 2-1 Rovers. I do fancy us to get the win, though. I think we'll go down there. We'll be positive. We'll spot that opportunity like what we did away at Millwall and, and hopefully take advantage of a flat crowd. Yeah, I think Rovers could win this. The away form's been good this season. Um, it's been better than the home form. I think they'll nick it 1-0. I think, as you say, similar to the Watford game where you're hoping they're not in great form, might be a bit subdued at Carrow Road for an early kickoff. Um, so yeah I'm going to go for a 1-0 Blackburn Rovers win that rounds off this week's podcast thank you for listening make sure you subscribe to Arte Labore in your podcast app of choice and follow Lancashire Telegraph at Blackburn Rovers and check out the site uh, for the most comprehensive Rovers coverage this season you can subscribe to the Lancashire Telegraph to support local journalism as well it's a better reading experience with fewer ads and subscriber only content as well. And there'll be plenty more perks on top of that. So make sure you go to thelancashiretelegraph.co.uk forward slash subscribe for £5 for five months at the moment or £35 for an annual subscription. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Arte Labore.